Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 Gospel according to John, the 17th chapter. Jesus prayed, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that also those whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these that know me that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved, grace to you and peace from God our Maker and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's an old saying that's been rolling around my brain this past week, charity begins at home. It's strange because I don't recall ever using this saying, and it doesn't necessarily have all positive connotations to me, but as I've been reading this passage of John's Gospel, the proverb just keeps coming to mind. Charity begins at home. In our gospel reading for today, we find ourselves once again sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach and pray. With death on the horizon, Jesus spent time preparing his disciples for what their lives would look like after his death and resurrection and ascension. It's interesting and I think significant to notice the setting of this text. Jesus didn't gather his followers in a synagogue like a rabbi, which would have been a traditional place of teaching and learning. He didn't gather them under a fig tree like a Greek teacher sharing his wisdom. Jesus gathered them around a table like a family sharing a special meal. It is in this setting around the dinner table that Jesus taught and modeled so much of what has become central to Christian identity and practice. It is here that he washed his disciples' feet and gave them a new commandment to love one another as they had been loved. It is around a table that Jesus called them his friends. I no longer call you servants, he told them, because servants don't know what the master is doing but I call you friends 
because I've made known to you everything I've heard from my Father. It's at this family meal that Jesus described the deep intimacy that exists between Father and Son. And it is here that he prayed that this divine love would find expression in all who belong to him. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. This whole body of Jesus' teaching focuses on the unity and belonging that are the fruits of relationship with him. Jesus and the Father belong to each other. Jesus' followers belong to him, and therefore, we belong to each other. All of these relationships are held together by the love of God. Gathered around the table, Jesus forges this new community, a community created by love for the sake of love. That's a whole lot of love. The Greek word here is agape, which isn't the usual word used for brother-sister friendship love. There's a different word for that. Agape is the word that describes God's love, a self-giving love, an unconditional love. Agape is not a feeling, as we so often think of love. It is more often something we do, our words and our deeds, something we practice. The King James Version of the Bible often translates this word charity, generous, self-giving love. Jesus' friends are called to practice this kind of agape love. It's the mark of Christian community. Now there is historical evidence that the apostles and the early Christians took Jesus' teaching very much to heart. Agape feasts were held in certain Christian communities, in some house churches that sprang up around the Mediterranean. Jesus' followers gathered for a meal to satisfy their hunger, to worship, and to celebrate the Eucharist, and to pool their resources for those who were in need. They imitated this pattern that they had learned from Jesus. Yes, there was tension and disagreement at times. Where two or three are gathered, there will be conflict. But they practiced loving each other as Jesus had modeled for them. Now, all of this love and this unity could have created very cozy parochial communities turned in on themselves. But a surprising thing happened. As Jesus' followers practiced loving and welcoming and working out their conflicts, these Christian communities grew exponentially. They grew in numbers and in diversity. People who would rarely find themselves in each other's company gathered at the table together. Men and women, poor and rich, slaves and citizens, Jews and Gentiles, what they had in common was Jesus and his invitation into the love of God. Some looked upon these early Christian feasts with a raised eyebrow. Any group that colored outside the lines that way must be subversive. I suppose that the language of eating and drinking the body and blood of Jesus didn't help their case either. But wouldn't that be awesome for the church to be considered subversive because we were too diverse, too welcoming of people? 
For people to scratch their heads and say, that's an unlikely group, I wonder what holds them together. Wouldn't that be great? It would be the power of the Spirit among us, nudging us toward the kind of love that we see in Jesus, stirring us to welcome as we have been welcomed, to forgive as we have been forgiven, to accept as we have been accepted, and to serve as we have been served. I suppose that's really what congregational life is for, isn't it? Week in and week out, we are nourished by God's promises and by the presence of Christ in word and meal. And week in and week out, we get to practice loving as we have been loved. We love in ways that are easy to identify. We pray for one another. We help each other in time of need. We rejoice together. We mourn together. We also love in ways that are not as obvious. We listen to each other, even when we don't agree. We share our stories, knowing that that makes us kind of vulnerable because our stories are not all the same. We strive to create space where people are seen and heard and known and valued, where each of us can share our experiences of God and our walk with Christ, whatever that might look like. We accompany each other. This, too, is love. And we do it so imperfectly, but we keep practicing. We practice loving as we have been loved, as we are loved by Jesus. Christian love begins here at home, around the table, the communion table, the parish commons tables, classroom tables, coffee tables. Love begins here at home. But it certainly doesn't end here. God's love so richly shared with us in Christ spills out from our life together into the world. In just the past couple of weeks, I have been present as tables were set for hungry people at Peace Community Center. When tables were set out here for us to write letters to our elected officials on behalf of hungry people around the world. Tables were set up last Sunday to pack personal care kits and to make uh, quilts for Lutheran World Relief on Monday, which requires every table in the building, I might add. Those beautiful quilts that were on our pews last week take a whole lot of work. Two nights ago on Friday, many of you were gathered here around tables for the Mexican fiesta to support the incarnate love of God that will be shared between our congregation and those in Tijuana. And throughout this week, dinner tables will be set for five families every night who are our guests, staying in our church building as part of Family Housing Network. Tables will not only be set for them, but for all who come to dine with them, to welcome them, to get to know them as part of our community this week. All of these expressions of love happen not because we are such virtuous people, but because this is the nature of God's abundant, generous love. It flows through Christ to us, and it flows through us into this world God so loves. So as we gather at this table today, let us give thanks for the gift of God's love. Let us give thanks for all of the opportunities that we have to share it. 
And let us give thanks for the tie that binds us all together, Jesus, our Savior and friend. Thanks be to God. Amen. Oh,